Welcome to Inside Missions, a production of Maranatha Volunteers International, offering an in-depth look at the people, the cultures, and the countries where Maranatha is working. Today on Inside Missions, I have our country director for Peru, uh, Elmer Barbosa. Elmer, welcome to Inside Missions. Thank you. It's exciting to be here. So, Elmer, we don't have much time yes. because uh, you were in a meeting. It went late. It's maybe still going. I don't know. But you were gracious enough to come and talk to us. We wanted to talk to you a little bit while you're here at our headquarters about what you have going on in Peru. But I think, too, as even though I said that we were just going to talk about Peru, I do want people to get to know you just a little bit. So if you could briefly just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and uh, how you got connected to Maranatha. And go ahead and tell some of the story. I think it's interesting. All right. Uh the story could go very long. I know. I love to I talk. Know, I know. <laughs> there will be <laughs> next other episodes. Yes. When we, you come to Peru. Yes. Uh, I was 20 years old at university, and the professor mentioned there is a uh, opportunity to be a missionary in Africa. Uh, make the story short, there was Gilberto Araujo. I, I know maybe you're going to talk with we him. We did. Yeah. Yes, you did. All right. So you heard him. Uh, he was in contact with Maranata. Maranata said, "If you come into Mozambique, we need someone that speaks Portuguese." I'm from Brazil and I had uh, that language and uh, I was in now in Mozambique, Maranata was there. I had not heard of Maranata until then. Um, I was thinking that I was just going to be a missionary for the church. I was introduced to Maranata and 17 years ago, this is when this started. So I was uh, now in Mozambique helping David Woods uh, that I know you also talked to. Mm -hmm. Our stories, they all... Uh, yeah, connect, you know? <laughs> I was talking to our country director in Kenya, Anu Kadis, and she was saying how all these people over the years, it becomes like a family and you just, you, you it's whenever you see them, it's just a great reun reunion. So, yeah, I feel like, you know, we could go very long with only the connections here yeah. and then how God, even I know stories of how uh, Gilberto heard about Maranata. He probably, I he don't did know tell if, that he story. Did, okay. Yeah. 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 And then uh, that connects to my story, how I was involved in Mozambique. Uh, but yes, I started in Mozambique, and then later I lived in Malawi, and then Brazil, and now I'm in Peru. Okay, and you were just 20 years old when you first started working for Maranatha yes. in Mozambique. What was it like for a kid who didn't know English, uh, for, you know, to interact with our Maranatha staff there uh, in a new land? What what was going through your mind? I was exciting because I, I wanted a, a experience in mission. Uh, that's where my mind was, I'm going to be a missionary for a year. That, that's all I was thinking about back then. Uh, and being in Africa, it's something interesting. Uh, I wasn't planning on being a missionary for 17 years. And uh, experiencing everything there, it was the first time I got into a plane. Going to Mozambique, I had never flown before. Oh, wow. So everything was new. Uh, I got to know amazing people, David Woods, working with him and other friends that I still work with. Ismael is in Peru with me right now, uh, learning from them. Uh, I was learning about the world and about the need of the church in Africa. Uh, you hear about missionaries overseas, and I was one now. So it was, it was an amazing experience, uh, full of stories and little things, but... Uh, it was it was great. I was you know I was living the life. Wow, I'm in Africa. And I wasn't looking to have a career. I I wasn't thinking I'm gonna make money. To me, it was this is my one year of uh, I'm giving back to Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, I I always did little things like co-porting. I liked that kind of stuff. 
And then, uh, well, this is going to be one year for God. I'm going to serve, you know. He turned out to be 17. So much for that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so why did you stay on after a year? I mean, was that the agreement that you would stay for one for year? For one year, okay. yes. So what uh, happened? That was the invitation for the church. For the first year of my uh, involvement with Maranatha, I was a missionary for the church, ah. providing help uh, okay. to Maranatha. Got it. So uh, I was, you know, receiving just allowance to, you know, by uh, soap and, and shampoo. Uh, and it was a full-on student missionary type of thing, but I was done with school. I see. And then, uh, you know, I think I stayed because it was interesting to be there. And my first year was just a uh, student missionary. The second year, Maranat said, would like to work with us. I was already having fun, you know, in the mission <laughs> field. And I, now I'm going to get paid to do ah, this. Ah, I see. So, okay, maybe I'm going to stay one more year. Yeah. So after a year, uh, David came to me and said, look, we have uh, opportunity for you to continue with us, but not visiting churches anymore. This was my first job. I was visiting sites so I could locate land so Maranatha could build churches. Uh, would go ahead of our team and then put the GPS. Maranatha is very organized in that sense. We have photos of every site. We collect stories. We want to understand if the documentation is correct, it's legal, so we can build a church and have that in the name of the church and all that. And I was doing that work in advance. And then uh, after a year, that was done. I have visited a thousand locations in Mozambique. Uh, I got to know the country more than some people in yeah, the country. You know, it's like visiting everywhere. And then after visiting a lot of the sites, th that job was done. So David said, if you want to stay on with us, the only thing you can do is now do construction. So in my mind, it was, if I want to continue working with this, this organization that is an awesome organization, I need to learn about construction. This is what Maranatha does. If I don't learn about construction, you know, I only have two other choices would be working with volunteers, then you're not involved with the construction uh, directly, or, uh, you know, uh, administrative position, and that's super hard to do. Uh, so I said, okay, so if maybe I would like to have a missionary career, and if it is with Maranatha, I need to learn about construction. So I switched a little bit from visiting sites now to leading construction of one-day churches. It was right at the time that the program was starting. Uh, so, yeah, and then I switched to doing construction. And from there, I was the one involved in, you know, 300 buildings in Mozambique. And Maranatha was only doing that in certain countries. So we kind of became the experts, like, okay, who knows a lot about how to build one-day churches? So that was us. We were doing a lot. And then David then moved to Malawi, if you remember that story. And he said, I need someone that can help me train the teams in Malawi. So he invited me to go, can you come and help me train the guys in Malawi? So I went with David, and then we trained the team there. I worked for six months, and then uh, later Brazil. Had you built much in your life before nothing, then? Nothing, nothing, <laughs> no. And after no. that, hundreds and hundreds of yes. churches that you built. You know, the Wonder Church, it's a simple building, and that's the idea. Uh, it's hard to move materials around Africa. The logistic is super hard. You know, in Peru as well, we are having challenges right now going to the jungle, uh, rivers. But uh, in Africa, you have no roads. And if you want to do something to help the, congreg the, the communities that are really far away, you need a simple structure that you can carry. Otherwise, you need like, you know, big trucks or helicopters to take stuff to the places we went to. So the one-day church is almost like a Lego. So once you learn the process, 
I was just repeating it. So I've been learning about construction over 17 years, but uh, back then it was basically learning how to put this one structure together. So it was something anyone could do if you're willing and interested in doing construction, you know. So how many years in Africa total? Uh, three and a half. Three and a half. And yes. then you moved back to your home country, to Brazil, Brazil, and built a lot of churches there too. Yeah, almost a thousand. Yeah. Almost a thousand. And yeah. similar as far as it kind of being a one same. day, same exact same structure. Same exact okay. structure, okay. yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that uh, that was a huge effort as a yes. part of one union or two unions that we worked were in trying to... At least uh, three unions. Three, okay. Yes, Brazil is a large country and uh, the church is also very large. We have, I think, seven unions. And uh, we started with one. The idea was to build a church in every city of that union. They had 500 places that did not have a presence. So that union president invited Miranata, can you help us reach everywhere in this union? So it started like that. He later moved to another union. Well, that actually that union grew and they had to divide into two now, they were growing. And uh, so now we were helping two unions. And then uh, later we got a request from a different union. Uh, we have been helping several now. Uh, I know Miranata is still working in Brazil, but back when I was there, we were reaching three different territories of the church. And so that was what years, what year that you were 2010 in? 2010 until 2019 when I moved to, to Peru. Okay, now let's go to Peru, 2019. You moved there with your family, two beautiful kids. My kids love playing with your kids. And then there's all this excitement. And then February, March, 2020 hits. What happens? Yes, uh, if you don't remember, if you're watching <laughs> and don't remember, COVID happened in 2020. Uh, we were planning uh, on receiving around 500 volunteers, 500, maybe 600. Uh, Peru is an exciting country for American volunteers. It's easy to go to. You don't need a visa. It has Machu Picchu and a lot of exciting things. And uh, it was a new country. Everybody, everybody wanted to experience that. And we well, and there was a lot prepared. of return volunteers that had been there, you know, 10 years or 15 years prior that That's were excited correct. to come back as well. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Uh, we were ready to receive a bunch of groups. We actually had two in the country. There is a miracle story there that we're not going to have time. Yeah. Next time we Next can talk time, about yes. that. Remind me of that story. But uh, COVID happened and then the country shut down like, uh, overnight. It was basically the president said in 24 hours, we're shutting down the airport. Who's in stays. Who's give, a, give, give us like a, a 60 second synopsis of some of these groups because it, it's quite extraordinary. Just sure. Okay, let's yeah. try that. So <laughs> I had two, two groups. One was in Ica building the, the Latin Guinea school. The other one was with us in uh, Lima. I was with uh, the group in Lima and looking at my Twitter, uh, now it's X, and talking to Lisandro saying, okay, now the, UN, uh, the, the uh, World Health Organization is saying this. Oh, now, now it's a pandemic. And right there, um, oh, there's six people sick with COVID in Peru. Now there's eight and, and like, you know, the news are developing. And suddenly uh, it was a Friday, we start to see this and we say, oh, well, it's getting dangerous. One group had already gone to Machu Picchu and they visited Machu Picchu and they were coming back. This group was a Sabbath. In the evening, they left to Machu Picchu and then when they got there, the president announced we're shutting down the country. The, country, the team that was in Machu Picchu, they were able to fly out to Bolivia. They spent two days in Bolivia and then they were able to fly to Colombia and back to the US. But the team that was just arriving in Machu Picchu, they had to turn back and go to the airport. And it was Saturday night, like I mentioned. So they stayed 
all night at the airport and they had until Sunday midnight to leave the country. It was interesting because uh, I sent Jessica, the, the lady that works with us with volunteer support, she was in Lima. I said, go ahead and stand at the door of the embassy of the United States and ask how can we get 60 teenagers, there was an academy, out of the country. And uh, she was able to talk to them. Oh, we have Americans here. And I got a call from uh, one of the people high up in the embassy saying, ah, are you, do you have volunteers with you? Yes. Um, if you can get them out, we're going to ask you, can we put people on the same plane as you are doing? Because we are not taking anyone out of the country right now. The government has decided to wait. We're going to see what happens. Everything was new. Nobody knew how long the country was going to be yeah. shut down. So um, it was looking for planes. To summarize in a very interesting way, in a miracle, they were able to get in touch with the vice president of LATAM. Uh, he had a plane in Lima. Uh, the LATAM's an airline, airline in, in yes. South America. Yep. Yes, like Delta. It's a big yep. airline or like United. And then uh, they had a plane in Lima. They paid for their plane. Uh, in a very difficult way, they came back from Cusco just in time to get into the airport. And, you know, you were not allowed unless you had a ticket. So you can imagine how difficult millions of people trying, literally like yeah. two million trying to get out of the country at the same time. And then uh, you had hours. And at the last minute, I got a text from the group leader saying, uh, the plane is taxiing and we are still walking and, and going to our Getting seats luggage up in the bin because and, it was yeah. two minutes before midnight wow. and they were basically like one of the last planes to leave the country the last one was our vice president of construction Daryl hardy he was yeah, like at midnight uh and two minutes he texted me like yeah we we also made it out but wow. it was minutes out that the the group of 60 uh teenagers were able to leave and uh you know the country stayed shut down for over six months if they hadn't left then they would stay in the country for six wow. months so wow. yeah well there's a whole maranatha mission stories television episode that we did on some of these people getting out of different countries at that time so yeah. go to watch.maranatha.org and you can try to search for covid and you could probably find one of those episodes yeah. but the, the pandemic was not only difficult to get volunteers out as it was starting it was also difficult on on your crew, your staff, your family as well. I mean, talk a little bit briefly just about uh, what it was like kind of living through the pandemic in Peru. Yes. Yeah, so um, if you do a little uh, research, you're going to see that Peru had the highest uh, death rate per capita. So um, if you, I think it was double the U.S. Here was like for every 100,000, uh, 300 people in Peru was like 600 people for every 100,000. So um, it was very hard on the country. They had no respirators. The country had, I think, uh, 250 I, uh, ICU beds in Lima. Every other city had almost no ICUs. And, and everyone was trying to get respirators back then, if you remember that. And even if you send the equipment to Peru, you need people trained to use those machines. And everything was new with COVID. People didn't know how to treat it. Oh, first you do this, and later they were putting people, uh, you know, facing down bad. So everything was so new. And because Peru was not ready, a lot of people died. And, and, uh, and that made the country, the government, be very strict with their rules. So for three months, we couldn't leave the house. Only one person per family was allowed to leave the house. And that was very strict. Like if you would be out on the street, the police would come and check, you know, like for some time they, they tested only men will leave a day and the next day only women will leave the next day. So uh, after that, it was a little bit better, but still we were using, if you remember, it was mandatory to have 
double masks in Peru and a face shield. Um, I took my, like after about seven months, I took my uh, license test, driver's license test using a face shield. I was in a place with double mask in the room using a face shield. So um, we had to show vaccination cards to enter malls and supermarkets. So Peru was very strict because a lot of people died. And you know how tense the whole world was, um, but it was really, really hard on the country. And uh, for our family, we, we decided to stay there. That was our home. We see Peru as our home. People said, why didn't you go back to Brazil? Our home was there, you know, like our family was there. And I had my wife and my two kids. Uh, Adam was just a little baby. So for him, it was just being home. Yeah. Uh, for Maya, she was two and a half. So that was a little harder. Couldn't walk out on the street, no parks, nothing, not even uh, outside. Uh, and, and I was, remember was you hard. talking about some of the crew that were working across the street from the Latiginia school that we were building. And they were just looking at this school that they could be working on for months and they yes. just couldn't even step foot on it. So yes. really uh, difficult time for all of you. Um, and our time is so short in this episode, but I do want to talk about now that things have opened up again, we've had lots of volunteers come. We have lots of projects happening, even some in new areas. So quickly, just tell us a little bit about where we're working right now. Specifically, I'm kind of want you to talk about the Amazon because you and I were just there. Yes, uh, let's talk about some good news. Uh, uh, challenges happen on mission, but God has been blessing Peru. We are close to finishing uh, 100 churches right now. We built uh, 13 in the past, 69 uh, so far. We still have a few to finish, and we are starting to reach the Amazon area. And it's going to be exciting because the people around there, they feel forgotten. I, I say that. I, we talked about this when you came to visit Pucallpa. Uh, Pucallpa is a place that is hard to get, and once you reach that, people kind of stop there. Uh, to go further, you need boats. There's no roads. The no roads, roads stop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's as far as you can go. Or you need airplanes. The church has an airplane program. Program. You actually have an interview with them. Again, people can watch and, and hear the mission stories. Yes. The plane. Yeah. <laughs> made it. <laughs> he loved that experience. <laughs> yes. So, uh, but to reach further, you need to have a hard logistics. We want to build there. We want to uh, go to Iquitos now. It's going to be, uh, you drop the structures on a big boat in Pucallpa, seven days up to Iquitos, a big barge. We unload there. And then from there, we put in smaller boats. We're going to go a day, two days into the Amazon jungle on rivers. We're not going to use gravel because otherwise you have to carry gravel, tons of gravel in smaller boats. Mm. And so we're going to carry cement. People can get sand in the river. So uh, we will do cement and sand and do a structure uh, that will help them, a metal structure with a plastic roof. And I was visiting places just recently and just to be there, to talk to the people, they feel love. They feel like, wow, mm -hmm. you guys came all the way here. This oh, is special, great. you know, the pastor is coming back to visit them after months of being away. A pastor has 14 churches and um, it's hard for them to visit places like that. In like two days, how, how many times in a year can you go back to a place like that, you know? So yeah. uh, resources are scarce. So it's, it's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be nice to help. It sounds challenging, there. it sounds exciting. And again, we'll have to interview you again once you've started doing some work up in the Quitos area. We wanna hear how that's going. Thank you so much, Elmer, for joining us and for all the work that you're doing in Peru. Thank you for being on Inside Missions. Thank you.